0: This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals.
1: It's the week of August 17th, 2015, and this is Michael Howe welcoming you to Episode 239 of Defender Radio. From Swift fox reintroduction to the rehabilitation of orphan bear cubs, the Cochrane Ecological Institute and Cochrane Wildlife Reserve Society has done it all. Their resume of education, research and protecting Alberta's biodiversity has given them a reliable and authoritative voice on all matters of wildlife policy and planning. But the government has ignored their pleas over a barbaric program that sees bear cubs killed rather than rehabilitated. And without reliable data on how many bears there even are in the province at this point, it's becoming a dangerous standard. Lisa Dalside, Education Director at the Cochrane Ecological Institute, joined Defender Radio to talk about this ridiculous policy, the need for ongoing research in the province, and what people can do to help the wildlife of Alberta. Why don't we talk a bit about the Cochrane Ecological Institute? Because I, I, I feel like the name doesn't really uh, explain what you folks do uh, at this center. So what is the Cochrane Ecological Institute? What do you do on a day-to-day basis?
0: All right. Well, it was, it's established to protect and enhance biodiversity. And so we do that through taking in injured and orphaned wildlife, rehabilitating them for relief. We also do endangered species reintroduction with the swift fox, and uh, we weren't actively doing that at this time because of some of the legislation. But we had um, actively done that from uh, 1983 up until 1997 in Canada, and. Um, And yeah, so just working and also working a lot with graduate students from around the world. We have lots of international students that live at the center, mostly in the summer, and they're doing research projects. And everything that we, um, our mandate is that all research has to be non-invasive or non-intrusive to the wildlife. And that's basically what we're all about. And and also we, we work to protect and enhance, or protect, sorry, and preserve um, cultural diversity as well, as a lot of the First Nations cultures uh, have just a greater value for the natural world and the environment than some of the newer cultures do. So we want to pass those values on. I,
1: I understand that the uh, First Nations were not into uh, oil exploitation quite as much as we are, but
0: um, yeah. it's
1: it's <laughs> that's probably part of why. Um,
0: well, that's actually that actually is the issue as to why we can't release our swift box in Canada anymore. We have promised them in 2004, we promised them all to uh, First Nations Group in southern Alberta called the Blood Tribe and they've been applying every year since 2004 for their permits to do the reintroduction program. The government won't give it to them because our Endangered Species Act states that you can't have any industrial activity within five kilometers of a den site of an endangered species and uh, by introducing the fox to their grasslands would interfere with the oil and gas industry so
1: that's rather remarkable that they they would sort of openly say that
0: yeah that's our um that is our endangered species act sarah the species at risk act that's how it operates so prior to species at risk act we were able to reintroduce swift fox to canada uh, but they had no protection they were being poisoned and they were being shot and uh, we were very excited in 2002 when that Act came into Canada. We thought, this is great. Our fox will be protected now. But now, because of the app, we can't actually release endangered species into well, Canada.
1: I, let's, let's come back to the endangered species. I think that's something that we, we, we probably should spend a few minutes talking about. But we'll dive into the... Um, uh, uh the The current policy. There was an article. Uh, Global News covered this. I know a few other groups. Uh, Not few other media organizations did as well uh, last week, um, talking about. Um the ability of the Cochrane Ecological Institute to rehabilitate and release bear cubs uh this is something that uh not a lot of rehabbers are capable of doing because it does require specialized facility uh you know a certain size of of uh, uh space and so on um and, and now you're being told that you aren't allowed to do that what what's the story here
0: yeah so so yes our facility has been um has been, had been doing that since 1983. They had had lots of, there's lots of experience, lots of expertise. Uh, we're very successful. We've never had a habituated bear come out of our facility. So that would be one of the arguments is they don't want bears becoming habituated. Black bears especially get pretty easily habituated. But definitely if you're not having contact with them, when their baby is getting bottle fed, only one person has any contact with them. Um, Once the bottle feeding is done, then that contact's over. There's definitely ways of properly raising them and there's facilities all over the world that properly rehabilitate bears without causing habituation. But that would be one argument on the government's behalf. Uh, The other argument that the government has, they say we shouldn't be rehabilitating these bears for reintroduction because there's too many black bears. Their argument is that there's 40,000 black bears in Alberta This number comes from a study in 1993. The study was not very scientific, and we don't even support that study even back at that time. It was just looking at the population of black bears in one small area of Alberta, then looking at an aerial map of Alberta and saying, okay, well, the habitat's similar in this region and this region, so we estimate that there's 40,000 black bears. And the government is still using that number, and that was... That was twenty two years ago. So that's that's ridiculous in our mind. Um, so as a result, their argument is that as a conservation measure, all conservation officers are instructed to shoot orphan black bears when they come across them. Now they are not instructed to take num count of how many they do.
1: Yeah, that's part of what I find just absolutely like mind boggling is it's not even bad policy based on good numbers. Mm-hmm. It, it it's bad policy based on bad numbers now why is the public not hearing this and storming the legislature uh, what why is this not front page news every day of the week in Alberta
0: I, I don't know I don't know but we we do do a lot of education programs we go to schools and I do teach about that so as a result lots of lots of schools have written in letters and, and lots of the public has written in letters and they are enraged but obviously those letters haven't, haven't resulted in much. It, it may have resulted in us getting our, our charitable status pulled for lobbying the government because that did just recently happen as well and they have no actual reason for it except for, only thought is for the lobbying. Um, they, I, don't know, I don't know why the, the people aren't in more arm, up in arms. Even with the wolf call, like that's absolutely ridiculous. There's no reason for it. Why aren't people freaking out? I'm not sure maybe because they just feel like there's nothing that they can do. But possibly here in Alberta, there is something now, because we do have a new government in place. They're still sort of trying to find their place as well, each of the candidates. But I think we might have some room to influence better policy here in Alberta. I'm hopeful.
1: We would certainly hope so. Um, And and talking about the populations, this is something, and this will play into some more discussion about the Endangered Species Act, but... uh, population dynamics uh, in ecology is looking at how many animals of a certain species there are in a certain space and quite frequently it does rely on modeling so that is to say we know their range can be this much and they do prefer this kind of habitat so we can extrapolate that there could be this many animals now as you said in Alberta they did something similar but it's also over 20 years old and and Alberta has changed a lot in 20 years Um,
0: (laughs) definitely definitely and I'm not arguing that we're low on black bears I I I've had plenty of black bear encounters in the wild I know that there's a lot of black bears out there but I don't think that we can be throwing out those numbers without some better science to back it up and you know even looking at those population dynamics we we now are much more aware of the grizzly bear population. So they've been set on the list of threatened species. And even with that protection, so now they are under that protection of the Species at Risk Act. Last year there was two orphan grizzly bears that our conservation officers and government was instructed to shoot. And we tried to track them down and when, when we finally found them and said, hey, we're, we're, we have the facilities to rehab these bears. It was too late. They had already shot them. They, had already, they went against their own policy and killed a, a species that was threatened.
1: Yeah, it's, 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 it's very shocking um, to hear that they, they will do it so blatantly. Yeah. Um, and I, I really don't think it helps uh, the, the image of Alberta as the, the not-good Wild West of Canada uh, uh, when we hear these kinds of stories. Now, one of the things I, I mentioned in my email to you uh, prior to this interview that's been coming up a lot in some of the the predator uh, interviews I've been doing is this concept of the magic number. Mm. Um, I can tell you already know what I'm talking (laughs) about. So uh, frequently you'll you'll hear um, everyone from from the trapping lobby that we deal with on a day-to-day basis to the government scientists who you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis uh, uh, pretty much just say, well, there are, 10 bears, and this, this, you know, this area can only handle eight. So if we get rid of three, we'll end up with a happy number. Um, and, you know, wham's kazam, we are now killing X number of bears to solve some problem that may or may not exist.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But what I'm hearing from people outside the government is that this very concept of a magic number is complete hogwash. I, is that what you're seeing as well? Well,
0: I don't think it's total hogwash. I do think that there is some, some backing to it, but I don't know, like some of, some of, in some of the cases, these magic numbers aren't, like who knows what the numbers are and they're just coming up with numbers? You can't just throw numbers out without some sort of actual proof to those numbers. And a lot of the papers that I read that is trying to, you look at the methodology of how they're getting to these numbers and that alone doesn't even have the scientific backing to it. So I I don't understand um, how how uh, these how this magic number is created. And and in, in terms of endangered species, we have that. Kosowick has 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 said that if there's less than 500 of a number, then they're endangered. And if there's more than 500, then they're okay. And so, for example, with swift fox, they did a really the government did a really like. Not a very, in our eyes, not a very ethical, um, um, method of trying to find out how many Swift Fox there was. They were doing capture and recapture. And if you look at their methodology and you do the numbers the way they said it was, it comes to there being 120 Swift Fox in Canada. But in their conclusion, they state there's just over 500. So they met, they met that magic number. And so they, they switched Swift Fox from being endangered to threatened because of this study that to our in our eyes like we've read over and over again doesn't make any sense so there's that magic number coming into play in terms of conservation tools then that get applied to these animals
1: well and i think that's the other part that that i find interesting uh again talking with uh uh, dr you and richie in australia uh where uh, as you know their ecosystem is is so sensitive because of invasive species and uh overpopulation of other issues And he was very adamant that it is so difficult for a government to make a policy decision to cull an animal uh, or to, even in the case, and frankly, I'd consider the way that you're being told to handle black bears a cull in essence, um, that you can't know what ramifications there will be in the ecosystem. You can take a guess, but you can't know with certainty. And that's where we're getting into the bigger problems. Uh, I mean, it's like the Simpsons episode with the the bear tax. You can't manage an ecosystem by trying to add or remove things that way. Um,
0: No, definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah, this idea of, of calling a species as well gets me uneasy because when you look at historically, you look, Like when European settlers first came to North America and they didn't know the numbers of things but for example like the passenger pigeon would black out the whole sky according to stories because their numbers were so high and they would fly above and it took less than a decade for that species to go extinct be gone completely so when we're when we are making um, efforts to intentionally kill species because because we're thinking that we're helping we may not be and we may be because we don't know the numbers exactly something something could crash species could go extinct because of our conservation efforts so so that is a problem and i say conservation efforts as in <laughs> controlling and c- calling these species so
1: yes we, we always have to be careful when we say the word conservation mm-hmm. these days because mm-hmm. it can mean so many things yeah. we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors
0: you're listening to defend the radio
1: I am Brad Gates, owner of Gates Wildlife Control. Do you have raccoons or squirrels living in your attic? Did you know that the hole in your roof is letting water in? Your insulation is being ruined and they could be chewing on your electrical wiring? Protect your biggest investment. We will come to your house and provide you with a no obligation free estimate. Please visit our website at GatesWildlifeControl.com or dial 416-750-9453.
0: Have you ever heard a coyote sing? Did you know that coyotes are also called North America's song dogs? They communicate through unique howls, yips, and barks. At Coyote Watch Canada, we're committed to fostering peaceful coexistence for communities and their wildlife neighbors by building compassionate wildlife communities one community at a time. Please visit us at CoyoteWatchCanada.com for more information and tips about this amazing keystone species. Beaver dams help clean water, promote songbird diversity, encourage fish populations, and create better soil and a cleaner environment. Beavers are good for Canada, but will we be good to them? Find out more at FurBearerDefenders.com and give a damn about beavers. This is Defender Radio.
1: We're back with more from Lisa Dalside of the Cochrane Ecological Institute. Your position is as the Director of Education at the uh, Institute. You were talking about dealing with schools and children on these matters. How do you express to them? I mean, we we also do some in-classroom work at the Fur Bears, and I've seen the, the program, and it's very much these are the animals in your neighborhood and how they work. But when you start getting into some of these bigger issues. So again, the very idea of the word conservation, and that's something, especially in uh, British Columbia this summer, has been a big, big, big topic. So how do you present the fact that there's good science and bad science, good policy and bad policy, and that the animals are kind of in the middle? Is is there a way you're able to communicate that to, to young people so they understand how controversial some of these issues are?
0: well what i find i don't know if i'm maybe the most most effective communicator to these young people because i am very blunt and i do tell them what's happening uh which upsets them quite a bit in a lot of cases but i you're the
1: big scary lady that comes in and scares children
0: (laughs) well i'm usually pretty fun i think and i bring in cool stuff (laughs) so maybe it compensates it but but for example, when the question of bears comes up, and I and all my programs are inquiry-based, so I might come in with a specific program and specific plan, but for example, recently I went into one class and the questions about bears just kept coming up, coming up, coming up. So the entire program was steered towards bears. I went in to talk about Swift Fox, I didn't even talk about Swift Fox to that class because they were just so interested in the bear issue. And so I just flat out told them everything that I knew about it, and I answered their questions honestly. And even though these were young children, um, this was a mixed, uh, mixed mixed age range, but they, most of them were around the age of ten, and they they understood. You know, they are smart. They understand co- conservation the way that I would value the word conservation as being. They understand that, and. And they comprehend it in a better way and they know for example the word sustainability i don't even think our alberta sustainable resource development knows what that (laughs) word means and and these children can understand that concept quite easily so so they know what's going on. They're picking up what's being put down, and they are acting. I'm really proud of all of our youth. They do take action. They write they, this this one particular class got a petition together. Now, they only had about 100 names on that petition, but they got it together, and they mailed it off with a whole envelope full of individual letters from each student. So hope so that makes it difference
1: Yeah, and I, uh, I, I've covered an election that came down to 12 votes, so anytime someone says... Uh my voice won't count. That's, that's always what I go to. But when you were describing that, I got a picture of you standing in front of a group of school children saying all the bears are dying and there's nothing we can do about it but here's some ice cream.
0: No, well, no. Just, just stating that, there, well, the fact is we have a spring bear hunt. Who knows how to tell the difference between a female and male bear? Charlie Russell does, <laughs> but he's about maybe one in maybe four or five people worldwide that can tell the difference between a male and a female bear from standing up in a, in a perch in a tree at a baiting station. So there's a lot of female bears being killed. Now, those, those hunters probably feel remorseful sincerely when a baby bear comes along because that baby isn't always traveling alongside the mom maybe it's just a, a few meters behind comes along sees that situation and th- those people feel the remorse and they might they call the conservation officers those conservation officers come and shoot the bear the baby bear so like this is unbelievable that this is happening and I think including the conservation officers all those people understand that this is wrong it, it's Even if it was coming down to numbers, even if we did have the correct numbers, is that ethical to be shooting lots and lots of baby bears when that's just totally unnecessary? We're the only country in the entire world that advocates for that. There's a lot of countries with bears. We're not the only country with bears. We're the only country that has a policy to kill orphaned bears. That's unbelievable. In my mind, it's unbelievable.
1: Well, I did watch Mr. Harper smile after that last debate, and I'm really not surprised that he likes killing baby bears. But um, We'll avoid politics. (laughs) Well,
0: and the people making the decision aren't people pulling the trigger. So it's easy for them to say, yeah. "Yeah." And then there's these conservation officers that go into this field because they're passionate about wildlife and the environment and this is the mandate that they're given to do it's
1: unbelievable well and that's that's very much what we saw with Bryce Cassavan in uh, British Columbia mm. this summer and we're still waiting for resolution on that whole matter um it, it still has not been officially decided so I'm, I'm willing to bet they're waiting for a natural disaster and then they'll just quietly release that decision um and, and I want to ask you and This is something I struggle with. I think this is something that many of us in this field, in this broad field of wildlife advocacy and protection struggle with, is very much what you said. Even if we had the numbers, it's not ethical. So When we're dealing with a situation, and we'll use the orphan black bears, people will say, well, there's lots of black bears, why do these two matter? And they say, because they're individual lives. There is no reason for them to die, and we have caused this situation. We should be responsible for ensuring a a satisfactory resolution to it um, and apply an ethical stance on that. But then they turn around and say, well, you're just a bleeding heart. You're not looking at the science. And then we turn around and say, well, the science doesn't support it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they say, "Well, what about this?" Uh, it's always the "What about that?" or "Or this?" Yeah. Uh, there's, there's constantly sort of this this rebuttal to every good point that gets brought up. So I I understand when you're dealing with children, they're they're much more sponge-like and they ask very uh, genuinely provoking questions, mm-hmm. uh, to in, because they simply want to know. But when we're dealing with adults, when we're dealing with politicians, how do we share that 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 concept of Like science and ethics and all of this go together Mm -hmm. and each individual item has its own weight in this argument but you can't simply dismiss one for the other or, or vice versa
0: yeah well i guess you know going back to bears though there is some hope when we look at the history in alberta with um with grizzly bears for example so i was in university uh, when when the campaign was really really strong in trying to protect grizzly bears at that time, um, they were giving out they didn't know this but they were giving out more tags for grizzly bears each hunting season than there was grizzly bears in Alberta, because they hadn't done they hadn't done a recent population study at that time so. Um, People were, again, the study hadn't been done to show that there was only about 600 grizzly bears in Alberta. We didn't know that, but we, were, we knew that they were a species, just, just from looking at other science, knew that there were species that were in decline and that were at risk. Um, and, and so this is a story of hope, where a whole bunch of people started writing letters. There was postcard campaigns going, there was petitions going, there is everything on the campaign to stop the bear hunt. I had a pin on my purse that said big stop the bear hunt. Everybody was all over this. And I remember meeting our environment minister at um, an opening of a of a conservation center and talking and asking him about grizzly bears and you know he started almost reciting. The exact words that I used in my letter to him, and probably hundreds of other people used in their letters. He said, "You know what? F- female grizzly bears are really important. We really need to protect our female bears because of their um, their gestation period and how often they'll have their bears." And and he goes on. And I thought, "Wow, this guy actually did read these letters." And then a few months later, the the, the policy change, the 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 bear hunt had. Had ended and speech, the species was added to the endangered or to the threatened species list, and it, I thought that was a really good success, and that showed that these politicians, if there if there's willing individuals, then change can happen.
1: Well, and I think in Alberta right now, this is probably the the most hopeful time you can be. Uh, this is the first time there has not been a big C conservative uh, uh, party, well, the conservative party, uh, um, in what over 20 years, 30 years. For-
0: here. Oh, there yeah. you go. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, and, and,
0: yeah, so it's exciting.
1: <laughs> and finally, I want to ask, um, I mean, we're talking about how, you know, the swift fox needs to be reintroduced to bolster the numbers in the wild, but big oil is getting in the way. We're talking about bear cubs, but, uh, you know, these ancient policies and cronyism are getting in the way. Um, what can people be doing on a day-to-day basis? I mean, I, I look at the, the incredible work of the Cochrane Ecological Institute, and then want to bang my head against the wall because you guys should just be in charge. Really. You're doing the science. You have the advocacy, you have the hearts for it. But what can people in Alberta and across Canada do to try and take what you have done, what you do daily for these animals and apply it to policy and apply it to politicians and apply it to education. What is the the one thing a day?
0: I think, I think that, and there's a lot of people that are passionate that are already doing this, but we need more people picking up the phone, calling their MLA or calling their whatever political leader for whatever writing or, or issue that is at hand, but talking to the government. We supposedly live in a democracy. I don't see much evidence of that, but apparently we do. <laughs> so if we do, we need to take that and ho- and run with it and say this needs to change. This policy, I'm not happy with. And you know, you have the people like Carol Tracy. She works her heart out trying to create change, and she is extremely active in talking to the government and and uh, and creating awareness among the public. But we need more of those people because if we if we all rise up and we say this has to end, I think that I think that it can. So we just have to get together and. And agree that it has to stop and or agree on what has to change and then change can happen
1: to learn more about the cochrane ecological institute visit ceinst.org or search for them on facebook that's it for this week i'd like to thank lisa for joining us as well as brad gates of aaa gates wildlife control for his ongoing support of this program until next time, this is Michael Howie reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.